Well, if you've experienced any of those thoughts or, or feelings, or maybe you're experiencing them right now, I'm so glad that you've come to join us here this morning. My name is Ben. I'm the campus pastor here at our Noblesville campus, and uh, we're in week two of this series, The Valley, where we're studying one of the best-known passages in all of Scripture. It's Psalm 23, and for many of you and for myself as well, I know uh, that's a, a psalm that you've probably put to heart. You've at least heard it before, potentially, and uh, we're taking six weeks to study it because for all of us, we experience these seasons of life where we feel stuck, we feel overwhelmed, we feel burned out and stressed out and sometimes just flat out depressed. And those are what we would call valley seasons. And the difficult truth about the valley is that in this world, they are guaranteed if you're not experiencing a valley season right now, it's very likely that there's one in the future for you. And you might think, well, that's, that's a pretty pessimistic way to, to look at things. Why would I say that? Well, because Jesus himself told us in John 16 that in this world, we would have trouble. Those were Jesus's words. We can count on it. We shouldn't be surprised when the valley season comes. But Jesus also said that we should take heart because he has overcome the world. And so the point of this series, the goal of this series, is to discover hope in knowing that we will never go through the valley alone. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've surrendered your heart to him and you trust him as your good shepherd, you can know that you never go through life's valleys alone. That's one of the major themes of Psalm 23. And I wonder if you would stand with me right now. Could we stand together and read this passage as we get going? Psalm 23, the words are going to be on the screens, but it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that you are the good shepherd. We thank you for these words of David in Psalm 23, Lord, that point us back to the truth that, that you see us, you know us, you love us, that, Lord, when we walk through these valley seasons of life, these difficult seasons where life does not make sense, that we don't do that alone, that you are with us and you are for us. Lord, if there are those here this morning who maybe have never heard that truth before or, or perhaps have forgotten that truth, would you open our hearts and open our minds to what your word has to say? And by your spirit, Father, would you embed them in our hearts today. Lord, we love you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You all may have a seat. So last week, we started this series by looking at verse 1 of Psalm 23. And uh, Paul did a great job of teaching us on that passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What does it mean that the Lord is our shepherd? Well, it's that the fact that he knows his sheep. 
The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows what they need. He knows what it is that, that makes them afraid. He knows the sheep, and it's, it's an understanding that God knows us the way that the shepherd knows the sheep, not just in a, a broad, general sense, but in a, a very specific, individual sense. God knows you. God loves you. He's able to provide everything that we need, even to the point that David could confidently say, I lack nothing. God is our provider. He is our protector, and he is our good shepherd. Now, uh, if you missed last week's message, I know a lot of us have been traveling for the, the holidays. Um, those messages, that message is on our podcast, and you can listen to that either through our app, or if you go online to genesischurch.me, you can click that messages tab, and, and there it'll be for you. But what we talked about last week really sets the stage for the whole series, so I encourage you to go and, and give that a listen. But this morning, I want to build on what we learned last week about the Good Shepherd, and I want to look specifically at one of the things that he does. It's found in verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3. Here's what it says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And it's that last phrase that I really want to focus on this morning, the idea that the good shepherd refreshes my soul. And I want to ask you this morning to kind of shut off all the noise. Uh, maybe you came in here this morning with some things on your heart, some things on your mind, feeling distracted, thinking about what's next. Could you just push pause on all of that? Because I want to ask you to kind of examine yourself right now. And I want to ask you, how's your soul? How's your soul? It seems like kind of a strange question, doesn't it? I mean, we don't typically ask one another about our souls, but according to this passage, it's, it's worth kind of taking some stock, isn't it? It's worth slowing down and, and looking at whether maybe there's something going on inside of us that, that we haven't evaluated. Maybe you're in the middle of something, again, really difficult or stressful, or maybe you've just come out of a season like that, a, a valley season, and, and your soul is longing for refreshing is that true of you today? The beginning of a, a new year, it's always a natural time for us to, to stop and, and to look back at the past year and to make some corrections for the year to come, right? And maybe for you, part of that needs to be some practices that will lead you toward the refreshing of your soul. But here's something I've noticed about myself, and I suspect that I'm not alone in this. When I'm feeling worn out and stretched thin, the pull that I feel is always to come up with my own ways to try to find refreshing for my soul. Would you say that that's true for you too? Do you come up with your own paths toward relief? And isn't it also true that while we can come up with all kinds of things that provide some amount of temporary escape, they usually do very little to bring lasting refreshing to our souls. And it's interesting to note that the older version of the NIV translates this passage with a different word. The, the older version of the NIV said, he restores my soul. Some of you memorized this passage uh, more like that. He restores my soul. And it's this idea, that word restores is, is the idea that something is broken. 
Something is not right. Something inside of us needs to be repaired. And for David, it's clear that the work of restoring and refreshing is not his. David says, he restores my soul. It's the shepherd's job. And these verses show us very specifically how the shepherd goes about that work. And so I want to share with you this morning three things that the shepherd uses in your life and in mine to refresh our souls. Three key concepts. And the first one is found in the first half of verse 2, where David says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. And if you were here last week, you know we, we talked a little bit about green pastures. And when we think of sheep out grazing in a, in a pasture, what we probably think of is something like this. It's uh, just a picture of, of abundance. It's a picture of, you know, the green landscape. The sheep are there having a great time. But David's context was shepherding in Israel. And what we learned last week that, that for nine to ten out of, uh, months out of the year, the, the pastures, they don't look like this. It's dry. The pastures look more like this nine to ten months out of the year. It's, it's sparse. It's dry. It's, it's a barren landscape. And and it's all that the, the sheep can do to, to find enough grass to eat, enough vegetation to keep them going day by day. It's a full-time job for the shepherd to lead them to that grass and, and that fulfillment. But then the rainy season comes, and all of the grass comes back. And those same sheep who have scrounged for food for months are presented with just unending, lush, green grass. And in those two to three months of thick green grass, the sheep, if they were allowed to, would just eat and eat and eat and eat. They would never stop. They would just gorge themselves on grass. But here's a fun fact about sheep, okay? Did you know that sheep only eat while they're standing up? Did you know that? They, they never lie down and just kind of eat what's around them. They, they only eat when they're on their feet. Once they lie down, they stop consuming. So when David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, it's really a picture of all this abundance and all of this opportunity all around the sheep. But the shepherd determines when the sheep have had enough and he makes them lie down. He makes them stop consuming. And remember, David was a shepherd before he was a king. And so these word pictures that he draws for us in Psalm 23, he's, he's pulling them out of his real life experience. And David knows that the things that he did for his sheep, those are the things that God does for his people. And David knew that the first key to allowing the shepherd to restore our souls is the concept of enough. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write that down. Enough. Now, most of us are, are a lot like sheep. If it's there to be consumed, we don't know how or when to stop. Stress builds up, that difficult season comes, and hey, we live in America, right? This is the land of abundance. This is the land of green pastures. And so we consume because we believe that we believe this line of thinking that more is better and more will bring some kind of relief, some kind of escape, a, a, a temporary pulling away from, from reality, and it'll bring us some kind of refreshing. And so we buy into the lie of more and we consume. And maybe for you, this quite literally has to do with food. I, I know for a lot of people, that's true. The, the difficult time comes, the, the stress builds, and so we eat 
We turn to food. We even have a name for it, don't we? We call it comfort food because that's what we expect it to do for us. It, it makes us feel good, at least in the moment. We don't usually feel good afterwards, but we feel good in the moment, don't we? That moment when it's going into our mouth and it tastes so good. And, and so we consume it in ways that we know aren't healthy, right? It's not, it's not like we don't understand that. We know it's not healthy, but it, again, it provides some kind of refreshing, some kind of escape. It's always wanting more. Or maybe more for you has to do with, with buying things, the, the purchasing, you know, of, of items. And the reality is that, that does do something inside of us, doesn't it? There's something inside of our brain that when we purchase something that we want, like that, it fills us with this feeling of joy. It makes us feel good. But the thing is that feeling never lasts. So like to keep the feeling going, we've got to buy more. It's always the next thing, and it's, it's going to be the next thing that will satisfy. And so it's always more. Or maybe for you, more has to do with entertainment, like a desire to escape reality by just entering into some form of entertainment. And listen, in America, we are addicted to entertainment, aren't we? And we have so many different avenues for it, and, you know, Netflix and TV and, and movies and YouTube and, and social media and all these different avenues to be able to, to escape reality and distract us from the difficulties of real life. And please hear me on this. I mean, that's not an exhaustive list, but these things that, I, that I've pointed out, none of them are wrong or bad in and of themselves, okay? We have to eat to live. We live in a society where we buy and, and sell goods. That's, that's just part of, of our life. And entertainment in and of itself isn't wrong. In fact, entertainment can be God-honoring. It can be very informative. It can spur us on and, and motivate us in ways that other things can't. But here's the deal. When is it enough? And who gets to make that decision for you? Because what I'm suggesting this morning is that one of the keys to finding true refreshing for your soul has to do with releasing control of that decision to God. Okay, that, that when you find yourself in the valley and you have opportunity to consume in whatever way you desire, that instead of pursuing more, that you would put into practice the concept of enough. And if you sense that you've gotten upside down in this area, I just want you to know your next move toward the refreshing of your soul is to confess that to the Lord. And just to say, God, I have been relying on blank to satisfy me. And you fill in the blank, whatever it is. Something I mentioned, something I didn't. What is it that you're relying on instead of the good shepherd to refresh your soul? Whatever it might be. And you say, but God, I don't want a temporary fix. I want deep refreshing from you. And you say no to the lie of more, and you say yes when the shepherd says enough, and you let him be the one to refresh your soul. It's the practice of enough. Stop consuming. Now, there's something else at the beginning of verse 2, and, and you may have noticed it, but it's the shepherd's solution to the desire for more. And his solution is to make the sheep lie down. Again, they can only eat when they're standing up. And so he makes the sheep lie down. And David says that's what God does for him. The, the first part there, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me stop consuming and rest. 
Rest is the second key concept I want you to write down if you're taking notes today. Can you remember the last time that you made an intentional effort to stop and truly rest? Like I'm talking no phone, no computer, not just sitting and making a list of all the things that still need to be done, but that you would push all of that to the side and just put it on hold to simply rest. There's a a gentleman named Philip Keller uh, who wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and Keller himself was a shepherd in his youth. Uh, This book is one of his more famous books, and he points out in it that you can't teach a sheep to lie down, okay? You might teach your dog to, to lie down when you tell him to. You can't do that with a sheep. You have to make a sheep lie down. But he points out that sheep can only be made to lie down when four conditions are met. Here they are. First, the sheep must be free of all fear, okay? There must be no friction or conflict between any of the flock. They must be free from flies and other pests, and they must be satisfied and not hungry. Now, all of these conditions, all of these these conditions to be met in order to make a sheep lie down, they have to be satisfied by the shepherd. He's the one who protects the sheep. He's the one who corrects the sheep when, when that needs to happen. He's the one who grooms his sheep and keeps them free from pests. He's the one who provides for the sheep. So when a sheep lies down, it's really a picture of complete and total faith in the shepherd. And isn't that true for you and I as well? I mean, for us to stop working and to simply rest, we have to believe that our well-being ultimately isn't dependent on us. That's what we communicate when we make rest a priority in our lives. And one of my favorite passages on this is found in Psalm 46. It's part of verse 10 there where it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. How many of you have heard that passage before? It's a a fairly well-known passage, but it's interesting to note that the Hebrew word that's translated there as be still in the NIV, it can also be translated as relax, forsake, or cease. The Lord is saying cease striving and know that I'm God. See, there's something that happens when we do that, when we, when we stop working, we cease striving, and instead we draw near to God. It undermines any thought in our hearts that this depends on me, and so I have to work harder, push through, produce more, because if I don't, it could all fall apart. And to that attitude, the shepherd says, be still and know that I am God. As you think about the past year, would you say that you have made rest a priority in your life? You know, as we read through the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, rest wasn't optional, was it? It it was part of the law. From sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday, that's what was known as Sabbath. And it was required rest for the Jewish people. And so they had had all kinds of of rules. They had lists of, of what constituted work and what wasn't work. And so you can do this, but you can't do that. And you can walk this far, but don't go any farther because that's work. And so it was all, all codified and all written out for them. And all of that was a, was a foreshadowing, was a, was a pointing forward 
of the true rest that was to come in the Messiah. But for followers of Jesus today, we don't live under the law, do we? The Messiah has come. We now live under grace. We don't have a formal Sabbath day, and we don't have a strict rules of do this and, and don't do that. We're free from all of that. But what often happens with freedom is we take it too far, don't we? We take it too far, and I'm afraid that for some of us, we have neglected this area of rest completely. Like There isn't a, a daily pattern of being still before the Lord. There isn't a day of the week where we cease striving. There are no extended times away where we're intentional about unplugging and, and reconnecting with God in, in some deeper ways. And without those regular patterns of rest in our lives, it is unlikely that we will ever experience the true refreshing of God. And can I just say something here specifically about vacation? Because that's kind of where our minds go when we think about rest. But I don't know about you, but I've had some vacations that looked more like work than they did rest. <laughs> is that true for you too? I assume it is by the laughter. A lot of times, vacation, you know, we come home more worn out than when we left. But it, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. I've had some vacations like that. But if we're intentional about it, it doesn't have to be that way. I want to show you what this has looked like for my family there's a place that, uh, that my family likes to visit in Oldenburg, Indiana, called The Springs. And uh, it's a retreat center for pastors and for ministry leaders, and it's absolutely beautiful there. There are woods to hike in. There's a pond where we fish and we boat and we swim in the water there. And did I mention that we fish? hey -o. There's a field at the springs where we pick wild raspberries, and uh, there's a hot tub there that Josiah thinks is his own personal swimming pool. The boy does cannonballs into that hot tub. We, we catch turtles and crawdads, and we feed the horses, and we play cornhole and volleyball and, and all kinds of games. And, and here's the deal. There's no internet at the springs, and the cell service there is sketchy at best. I mean, you couldn't make a call if you wanted to. There are no TVs. It's just uninterrupted time with God and with each other. And when we're at the springs, we cease striving and we rest. And I'm going to be honest with you. The first day or so when we go there, it's weird. Like, it's really hard not to be constantly grabbing for my phone to, to see, did I, did I get a text? Did I get a voicemail? Am I missing something big? But... In those moments, I'm always reminded that my good and my provision are in the hands of the shepherd. Listen, I'm not the savior of the world, and neither are you. But we know who he is, and we need times of being reminded. We need times of being still and knowing that he is God. And so I want to challenge you this morning, if maybe you would say you've neglected some of these patterns of rest in your own life, to make it a priority this year. Maybe even today to sit down with your calendar, to look at, at some opportunities that, that you may have. I, I would suggest that you set a daily time, set, appointment, set an appointment with God every single day, a half an hour to an hour to simply be still and know he is God on a daily basis. Spend time in prayer, spend time in his word, spend time just resting in who he is. And I think it's also wise to set aside a day in your week to cease striving, to stop producing, and to simply rest. And then finally, to identify an extended period of time where you can get away 
from the regular routines of life. And again, to simply rest. I had someone come up to me after the service and say that they wanted to go to the springs with me. And I said, I'm sorry, you can't. Uh, <laughs> it's only for pastors and ministry leaders. But there are opportunities like that out there. I mean, you know, places like state parks, places where you can get away from internet, get away from the phone, unplug. So much of it for me and maybe for you has to do with that, just unplugging to be able to focus on the Lord and and on his people. If you want to dig a little bit deeper into this area of rest, I want to recommend a book by a pastor named Mark Buchanan. His book is called The Rest of God. And I read this book when I was on sabbatical uh, about six, seven years ago. And uh, Paul read this book before he went on his sabbatical last year. And I believe we would both tell you that this book um, greatly helped us to produce what Mark calls a Sabbath heart. And what does it mean to, to live with a Sabbath heart in the midst of our, our busy culture? So maybe that's helpful to you. Uh, I think it could be uh, if you want to check that out. But the practices of enough, the practice of rest, and then this. Back in Psalm 23, David says, He leads me beside quiet waters. And we know that, that every living creature needs water to survive. And sheep are, are no different. They need water every single day. And it's the shepherd's job to provide this for them. It's his job, even in those very dry seasons, to know where the cisterns and the pools and the streams are that he can lead his sheep to, to drink. But here's something you need to know about sheep. Sheep are absolutely terrified of moving water. Okay, it freaks them out. When they see the water disturbed at all or, or moving at all or any turbulence, they won't drink it. They'll back away, and they don't want anything to do with it. So the good shepherd will do one of two things. He'll either guide his sheep out of the way to where he knows the water isn't moving. Again, it might be a, a quiet pool somewhere that he knows about or a cistern that he can draw from. Or if it's necessary, he'll go to that moving water, maybe a, a stream or or a creek, and he'll dig a trench away from the creek to a, a low spot where that water can pool, and he'll let the water calm there, and then he'll bring his flock up to drink. And the sheep know that they can trust his leadership. They can know that, that where he goes, they can follow him, because where he goes, they will find still water. They've learned that even when all they can see is turbulent water in front of them, they can trust the shepherd to show them a place where they can drink and be refreshed. And I want to tell you this morning that it is no different for you and me, but it comes down to a matter of trust, a matter of trust. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. It's the third key to allowing the shepherd to refresh our souls. We have to trust that he knows what he's doing. We have to trust that he sees a bigger picture than what we see, that even when all we can see is the rough water in front of us, that he has a plan that is for our good and for his glory. And listen, I know that sometimes life doesn't make any sense at all. And I know that there are some of you here today who have just come through a season or in, in the midst of a season that, that none of us would want to endure. For some of you here today, maybe you've recently uh, faced the loss of someone you love, or, or maybe you're facing the potential loss of someone that you love, and it's terrifying, and the unknowns are, are real. 
Others are facing financial uncertainty in the coming months and, and maybe the downsizing of, of work or the loss of a job or a business that is just barely hanging on. And you are looking at the situation and you're thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to provide? What's going to happen next? Some of you are in the midst of relational turmoil right now, and, and maybe it even has to do with someone in your own family, perhaps even a spouse. And the thought of going home after service today is overwhelming for you. Listen, these things are real. These things are, are difficult. They are terrifying. They are overwhelming. But understand that when those rough waters are in front of you, you can do one of two things. You can either focus on the situation or you can focus on the shepherd. And David had walked with the Lord long enough that he knew that the shepherd, he knew the shepherd well enough to know that even when the world seemed to be crashing down around him, the good shepherd could be trusted to lead him out of that place, to lead him to those quiet waters. Whatever situation you're in right now, whatever valley you might face today or in the days ahead, can you say like David, the shepherd leads me. My eyes are on the shepherd. And while you may not know how this is going to play out, and while you certainly wouldn't have chosen this for yourself, are you trusting the shepherd? Are you trusting the shepherd? Are you trusting his words that, that he is working all things together for the good of those who love him? Are you trusting that he knows what you need? Are you trusting that even more than that, he's able to provide it for you and that in the end, we, like David, will lack nothing, enough rest and trust. If you are finding this morning that your soul is in desperate need of refreshing, this is the path. This is the way. Enough. Stop consuming. Rest. Cease striving. And trust Get your eyes on the shepherd. But understand that it all begins with surrender. The good shepherd's name is Jesus. And in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me and I lay my life down for them. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And through his perfect life, and his sacrificial death, and his amazing resurrection. He has offered us forgiveness and new life to all who would receive it. And if you have never surrendered your life to Christ and received that free gift of his grace and his salvation, that can change today. And understand again, it's not a promise that you won't go through the valleys of life. It's a promise that you won't go through them alone. It's a promise that there will be refreshing for your soul, and it's a promise that one day the valleys of this life will disappear, and we will be with him forever. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never made him the king of your heart, I'd love to talk with you more about how to do that after the service today. I'll be up front here. But for my brothers and sisters here today who maybe you've been walking with the Lord for some time and you're recognizing this morning that there are some patterns in your life that need to change. There are some things that the way you've approached them in the past year are not the way you want to approach them in the coming year and in the years to come. And I just want to offer you some time and some space to confess that to the Lord, to commit to him, to, to be faithful to his word. 
and to follow these paths that he has put in front of us. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, we thank you that you loved the world enough to send your son, the good shepherd, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that you've given us in him. Thank you for the desire to bring refreshing to our souls. And thank you that when we experience these valley seasons of life, we don't have to endure them alone. Father, I I do pray for my brothers and sisters in the room today. Maybe your spirit is, is raising something to the surface for them. Maybe he's identifying something that needs to change. And Lord, maybe it has to do with enough. This pursuit of more, this lie of more, that it's going to bring the relief that we desire. And Father, we need to confess that to you today. If that's you, I invite you to do that right now. Father, perhaps the pattern that needs to change has more to do with rest and this command to cease striving. Lord, we're a busy culture. We confess that to you. We're a culture that celebrates busyness. We wear it like a badge of pride. But Father, we know that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And so we want to be humble in this area of our lives. And if that's you this morning and you recognize that you need to go home today and identify these patterns of rest and be faithful to them, confess that to the Lord right now. And I suspect that for many of us, this area of trust is one that we just need to constantly come back to. We, we just have this tendency in our flesh to walk away and to want to trust ourselves or trust something else. But Father, we know that you're the only one who is trustworthy. You've proven it to us through your son Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And so we want to look to you in our valley seasons, Father, to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, not on what is temporary, but what is eternal. And if maybe we have put our eyes somewhere other than the good shepherd, we want to take a moment now to confess that to you and to commit to live faithfully in this area going forward. Oh God, you are so good. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the day that Christ will be revealed cannot wait for the day when we will see you face to face. But Father, we want to be faithful until that day. And so would you spur us on toward that by your Holy Spirit. We're after your glory in this. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.